This past Monday, May 2nd, Politico reported on a leaked draft of the U.S. Supreme Court decision that, if made official, would overturn Roe v. Wade. The news left many Americans struggling to process how such a decision could impact their lives. And on Tuesday, as people were processing, we went to work. Here at Radio Milwaukee, we grappled with what this means. I mean, that same day, that Monday, our episode was about the Pregnancy Pandemic Project. Celebrating parents and retelling birth stories, sharing raw, real stories around being pregnant in the pandemic. Later that week, Milwaukeeans took over the streets to protest and protect a woman's right to choose. This is Uniquely Milwaukee. It's everything you love about community stories, but more in depth. Giving the stories the time and attention they deserve. Changing perspective one episode at a time. I'm your host, Saddam Fathayed, and this is Uniquely Milwaukee. Stories that stick with you. The decision with Roe versus Wade is incredibly divisive. But one thing we know with the current breaking news and the pandemic pregnancy stories that we will continue to share is that parenting is hard. Giving birth and being a mother is tough. It's scary. It's being brave when you're terrified. It's blood, sweat, and milk-stained shirts. That's the messy truth. Last week, we shared three monologues of unidentified women sharing their stories with being pregnant during the pandemic. But... That's simply not enough, because motherhood is not a monolith. This upcoming story starts off with the stress you face, you know, coming back to work after early days of the pandemic. That panic of not knowing what is happening and the fear of the unknown. And then having one singular conversation that makes you feel seen. This is the technician. Age 36, San Francisco, California. The technician. I was working in the beginning of the pandemic, and then I was furloughed. So I ended up just taking care of my older daughter during that time, which was a blessing in disguise. So I had a more flexible schedule. And it was great because I got to spend more time with her. She was two and a half at the time, almost three. So stress level-wise, there was a lot of uncertainty over what was happening with my role because furlough kept getting extended and extended. It was like a month at a time, it kept getting extended. I was told I was going to be coming back. So it was kind of just like very frustrating. And then ultimately, like when, uh, when was it? A year plus after kind of all of this back and forth, we just parted ways at that point. So I haven't gone back to work since then. But overall, stress level was like, I mean, everybody was stressed. I can't say it was more than most or average. I'd say it was, you know, probably like a little more stressed for me than I would have been if there was no pandemic. But I mean, a lot of people had a lot of things on their plate that they didn't normally And I mean, it definitely contributed to it for me, just not really knowing, you know, what was going on and if things were going to get better and whatnot. I mean, I was fortunate that there wasn't anyone in my family that was really sick or hospitalized, especially early on when things were just like so scary and unknown and nobody knew what was happening. This pregnancy during the pandemic, I had made it to my 12th week. It was either my 10 or 12th week appointment. It's like the first one where you have like a real ultrasound and they do like the anatomy scan and all of the measurement details and all that stuff. And that was the appointment where kind of like everything just fell apart. I lost the baby. 
during that time of processing my miscarriage, we spent a lot of time just really limiting our exposure, like outside of our house. I become pregnant again, still during the pandemic. I wasn't able to ever have my husband there with me, so he wasn't at any of my appointments. And I'm back at the 12-week appointment again. I was so nervous going into this. I was just hoping to get through this appointment with, you know, a positive result. It's like I had been holding my breath the entire 12 weeks up until that point because I didn't want to get too excited just because of what happened last time. I remember being in the exam room and it's like an ultrasound technician that's doing the, you know, the ultrasound and everything. And at one point I just started like, I burst into tears because I wasn't like getting any feedback from her. And I'm just so nervous about what was happening. And then, you know, I told her what was going on and like why I wasn't feeling that way, why I was feeling that way. And she said, oh, you know, I saw that in your other charts. Everything's looking great. And it's, you know, everything just changed after that point. Just getting there was... I think when the technician really looked at me, you know, it just, it just she was really sweet. And she was looking, you know, like, I saw your history. I saw that. Everything's looking good. Despite the uncertainty happening outside with the virus, I could be certain of what was happening with my pregnancy. And I finally took a deep breath. Her just acknowledging what had happened because, you know, with pregnancy loss and stuff, it's not talked about a lot. Her acknowledgement, I mean, it sounds silly, but like, that made a difference. I didn't have to explain it to her because rehashing everything is like not something you want to be doing all the time. And so, yeah, I just, I felt seen. When someone you know experiences a pregnancy loss, it can be difficult or even feel impossible to know what to say. When a pregnancy ends spontaneously, there is not a singular normal or correct reaction. In fact, a person may experience a range of seemingly conflicting emotions simultaneously. If you're someone that relates to the story you just heard, just know that grief knows no timeline. Take all the time you need, and I am thinking of you. The next story is a story that I really love because it's incredibly visual. When I was listening to this upcoming story, I saw myself remodeling a house and my belly was bumping into everything. And I could also see myself potentially hanging out in a Home Depot and having a moment during the checkout line. This is The Remodel. Age 39, Chicago, Illinois, The Remodel. It was depressing. I was pregnant. We were trying to remodel the house. It was tough when we weren't seeing family and we weren't seeing friends. We bought this house and we've been trying to remodel it little by little. There was a lot of like pulling walls down and putting walls up and putting in countertop and cutting stuff. The more pregnant I got, the more I had to be careful about carrying things and the belly being in the way and being tired easily. I had to think about safety for the baby. What if my glues are bad to breathe in? What different filters do I need for my respirator? Do we have to go to a hotel if the fumes get bad in the house? Do we have a backup plan for where to go? And during the pandemic, that was harder because we were trying not to be in contact with anybody. It was quite an undertaking to figure out how to do that stuff safely. I was posting pictures on social media and my family was calling a lot. They put together a super sweet baby shower for me and my husband over Zoom. It was really fun. I was worried that it would be weird and stressful, but 
they were very organized about it and had activities that were fun and got everyone talking. Everyone felt included and involved, and it was just very sweet. Aside from that, a lot of time, the most social thing I did was go to Home Depot. I was at Home Depot all the time. I feel like people there were the only people that saw me pregnant. Even as I got bigger, my pregnancy didn't feel totally real. And I finally realized that when you're out and about, people you meet will randomly affirm your experience. I was sort of preparing for people to ask me when I was due or make comments that, but that never happened because I was almost never out. I realized that not having an external acknowledgement was weirdly lonely. It was just another way for that isolation and loneliness to reveal itself. Around my eighth or ninth month, I was in the middle of a Home Depot run. I walked up to this lady's cash register and asked, oh, are you open? And she said, yeah, just don't have that baby in my line. I said, oh, I won't. And then she started talking to me about my pregnancy and telling me her birth stories. It was just a silly joke that she made, but it was so touching to me because I just felt like she saw me. And that meant so much to have that one really simple interaction. It was one of the only interactions I can remember having with just a person, a random person. I think that having support is important. And I think that I undervalued the need for that during my pregnancy. It was mostly fine, but I just felt the weight of it. I was distracted a lot by all of the work I was doing. But then there were these moments where I felt really sad and lonely and wanted that connection. And I think sometimes I didn't notice it until the lady at the Home Depot said something and she just touched on this well of emptiness inside. I don't think I always realized it was there until she said something that healed it a little bit. Try to be gentle with yourself and try to find those moments of connection any way you can. A moment of connection any way you can. That can be so hard. For me, I live in my head and it's tough to get out of that spiral sometimes, but it's true. Those little moments matter. That interaction with your local barista, your neighbor in the elevator calling out which floor. So I took from that story is that, you know, I need to get out of my head and really live in the present and create a twinkle of time. That's the magic. We have two more stories that you will not want to miss. One story is about sisterhood and having that support when your partner might not be present. And the other story is about that feeling, oh my God, we are in it and the baby isn't even here yet. Catch these stories after the break. Do you remember the last time you fell down a musical rabbit hole? You heard a great song that led you to a great album, which led you to falling in love with a new artist, which introduced you to a whole new genre of music. Just like you, our DJ's curiosity for music never stops. That's why you listen to Radio Milwaukee, and it's a great reason to give. Support your home for music discovery at radiomilwaukee.org slash donate. I added this next story on the list because it takes a village. 
the support you get from your friends and family. And in this case, your sister, when you're pregnant, can be life altering. This is sisterhood. Mother of age 32, Wisconsin. Sisterhood. Between February and April 2021, my husband, who is in the reserves, had to go away for training for those three months. We had a one-year-old and I was very pregnant. With being a pregnant parent and working full-time, I wasn't going out and I wasn't seeing family and friends like I had been previously. I was very fortunate to have my sister. She was able to help out. It was the dead of winter. I remember specifically one day we had gotten a lot of snow on a weekend too. And she came over really early, she is not a morning person, and shoveled snow for me and my one-year-old. And I remember feeling so bad because I told her we had a snowblower, but neither of us could get it to work. She ended up still shoveling and just trucking through it, kind of how we felt in navigating the pandemic together while my partner was away. My sister couldn't be there every day. There were a lot of crazy challenges, you know, still working full-time in person, I was not one of those people who got to work from home. I remember waking up at five in the morning to my daughter being super sick, vomit everywhere, and I ran out of PTO. So I had to stay home. But then I questioned, how do I make that money for the day? With my daughter still being in daycare, I still have to pay if she doesn't go. So yeah, it's like coming up against a wall. But I was lucky that my sister was there. She would watch my daughter at home while I went out doing grocery runs, getting errands done, and trying to stay safe for me and my baby inside of me. My sister, she basically kept me from having a mental breakdown because I was so tired and sometimes sick during this pregnancy. This pregnancy was definitely not as easy as the first. So her being able to come over for a few hours and make dinner or give me that break was everything. I had so many cries just thanking her for doing that for me. That mental struggle was hard. I was very fortunate. I had friends who I was able to talk to, but it's difficult because people still aren't going out. So I really implore friends and family to check on your pregnant friends and see how they're doing because it's a whole different experience. I realized that even during all the chaos, our babies, they still don't know what's going on. You know, they just... They just know you. So just really take the time to appreciate being with your baby. I know it's hard to black out what's happening, but enjoy those little moments with them because, you know, you can get so wrapped up in what's happening and kind of forget how lucky you are. I was really lucky to have my sister. Thanks, sis. Ugh, that just made me want to call my sister and just thank her for being by my side through it all. We have one more story to get through. This next one was a roller coaster of emotions, but ended up putting a smile on my face when it ended. You know, when I was listening to it, it reminded me the superpower moms have that even when you're in a situation that is out of your control, you're in mom mode and you're going to do what it takes. This is The Parenting Has Already Started. Age 31, Wisconsin. The parenting has already started. Every time I'd heard someone who was pregnant experience something that was so severe, I would say to myself, oh God, that sucks. That better not happen to me. And as soon as I said that, it did. Couldn't take the smell of my dogs, it happened. Couldn't take my husband's scent, it happened. 
But this next one, yeah, this was something else while being in lockdown. And for context, this was the time before vaccines, when people were hogging toilet paper, washing groceries, and people were coughing on produce at the store. Anyway, while working two new jobs from home, I was so nauseous and throwing up every day from like week seven to week 22. But every day was seeing how much energy I had, what food I could eat that I could stand, and when I could sleep or run to the bathroom nauseous while not in a producing meeting or teaching a class. Really, I turned to Gatorade, waffles, grapefruit, and Qdoba steak burritos for most of my time. My family will laugh about those steak burritos. Of course, those make it in. And um, I also, to be honest, had a little bit of bleeding in my uterus. So like, I am on pelvic rest for a good amount of weeks until I can get to my next ultrasounds. My nutrient levels are all over the place. And it's wintertime, which means windows closed. Every smell is exacerbated and it's freezing out. And all I want to do is go anywhere and get fresh air. And I can't because we're in a pandemic. Given that I had a miscarriage prior, I did not want to risk getting COVID. So around week 14, I was listening to a podcast with Amy Schumer and she was talking about hyperemesis gravidarum like the severe, intense vomiting that lands you in the hospital. And I thought, that's not going to happen to me. Well, around week 21, I didn't get enough hydration that morning after being sick the night prior. And I'd eaten some rice crackers. And that's all I could do. And I turn on the shower, waiting for the water to heat up. And I'm in the kitchen. And I tell my husband, babe, I'm not feeling good. Oh, I'm not feeling good. I'd said this so many times before. And all of a sudden, like, the blood is rushing from my face. And as we're walking to the bathroom, I fall and pass out in his arms, tongue in cheek. And when I come to, I'm on the floor and he's gently slapping me and washing me off. And immediately we go to the hospital. We're both anxious because that is the last place we wanted to go. We'd gotten so far in staying away from people who could be carrying COVID to now landing in that spot with them. I was so angry, but anxious because I needed to make sure that baby was okay and that I was okay. And we're sitting in the ER by the windows, finding a seat by the outskirts of a full room. And we're waiting for over two hours just to have a bed. Why? because there were so many COVID patients, there was not enough room for the rest of us. And still, I don't know who next to me has COVID. I'm just chugging Gatorade in the meantime, but it's so hard. I, I, I start to feel a little better. In the meantime, a nurse calls me twice to go into a back room they've designated as not a bed, but just to check my vitals. Still, I wasn't seen by a doctor. And every time I got back to my seat, I was paranoid walking through the sea of sick people. I'm thinking, I just need to get my baby's heartbeat. Let me just do that and get out of here. So finally, I get a bed and they infuse me with one of those liter bags. I didn't have to pee for a long time. That's how dehydrated I was. They checked my baby's heartbeat. She was healthy and we did not get COVID that day. And what was really beautiful was that when I finally got seen in that emergency room bed, that the doctors and nurses really gave me the time. 
especially as a woman of color, my husband especially advocated for my care and explained my health history. And for these essential workers, they were wonderful considering how dead tired they must have been and frustrated at the reality. I felt that they made sure that my baby was okay and that I was okay. Time slowed down and I felt the best I had in weeks. I was like, damn, I wish I had one of these leader bags at home. That thought, unlike my other ones, did not come true. But you know what? After that, my body really turned around. The nausea had finally subsided significantly and the bleeding in my uterus went away. A vaccine had come out and the spring finally came. Today, we're at a time where there are boosters, but it still doesn't make the pandemic less stressful. And I learned all over again that it is okay to ask for what I need. And pregnancy during a pandemic taught me to be unapologetic about it. Even though my daughter hadn't been born yet, my parenting had already started by doing what I needed to do to protect my health, my mind, and my spirit. Yeah, I sure celebrated Mother's Day that May even though she wasn't in my arms yet. We had made it so far, and that was worth celebrating. Mother's Day has passed, and, you know, that last story was a great point to end at. Being a mom that's unapologetic, and to navigate the challenges you face without shame and judgment. These stories that we presented in a span of two weeks showed that the experience of pregnancy and motherhood will always be different. And that mom guilt is a real thing. I hope these stories push forward the narrative that instead of criticizing a mother for making a parenting choice that is different from the choice that you would have made for yourself, you choose to uplift the mothers in your life rather than tear them down. I'm your host, Salam Fatayed. Thank you to Nate Imig, our executive producer. Kenny Perez, our audio engineer. Thank you for our marketing team led by Sarah Lar. Graphics on our wonderful logo is made by Aaron Bagada. Our community engagement manager is Maddie Reardon. And Dan Ryder handles our social media accounts. And a big special thank you to our city-loving members for making Uniquely Milwaukee possible. Tune in next Monday for our next episode.